Galatians chapter 2. We're walking through this letter that Paul wrote for the church in the churches in Galatia. And they had false teachers that had come in and uh, they had given some bad teaching. And Paul is having to correct that teaching. And part of this is we're going to be looking at today. But let me kind of give you a thought as we get into this. There was a young lady who had become a convert to Christianity. And she wanted to join the church. And so she comes excuse me, to meet with some of the leadership of the church. And uh, so they asked her, said, uh, tell us about how you got saved and, and when you got saved. And tell us something about it. And she said this. She said, I did my part and then God did his part. And they thought, oh, no, she's missed it. The gospel is free gift, eternal life is free gift from Jesus. You can do nothing to earn it. And so they probed a little bit farther and said, said this, said, uh, can you clarify that a little bit? And she said, yeah, I did the sinning, he did the saving. Yeah. And I thought, there you go. That's it. We're all broken. We're all sinful. The Bible, it makes that very clear. And uh, but. What I have discovered is the church is guilty of something. I, I, I'm sure I just throw myself under the bus when I say that. But sometimes people make a decision for Christ. They make a commitment of their life to Jesus Christ. They realize their sin has separated them from God. They know they're lacking purpose in their life, forgiveness. And so they come before the Father and they realize what Jesus Christ did on the cross. They exchange their life for his forgiveness. And then what happens in the church is guilty of it. They go through the waters of baptism, maybe, which we did last week. But then we kind of give them a Bible and just go. And, and what happens is, is they, they came to Christ by faith. And now they try to walk out and earn it by the way they live. And they get weary, and they get exhausted, and they burn out. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about, because you came to Christ by faith, and yet, yet you've been walking out, trying to earn it from God. And it doesn't work that way. And so Paul is addressing uh, this to a certain degree, and I want us to unpack this a little bit. So Galatians 2, and I want to Begin with verse 15. It says this. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Now, let me explain the term Gentile sinners a little bit. Because most of us in this room, if not 99% of us, are Gentiles. And so, man, to, that can be offensive. But what he's saying is he's distinguishing the two. He says... We're Jews by birth and not Gentiles who didn't keep the law. Don't, don't keep the law. So that's what he's referring to. Verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, 
because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Let me unpack that and bring it down so it makes sense a little bit. Why was the law given? And I'm talking about the law of Moses. I'm not talking about the speed limit laws and this kind of thing. Why were the laws given to the Jewish people? Well, it, it, consider that. Look at the Ten Commandments. What, is it just a code of conduct? Is it a way to live? And, and all of us would say, yeah, man, if I could keep the Ten Commandments, and everybody keep the Ten Commandments, that would be a great thing. But if it's just a code of conduct, then all of us have to admit, admit that we don't hit a thousand percent on it, right? We, uh, in, a, in Major League Baseball, if a guy gets hit, hit three out of ten times, we call him an all-star because he hits 300. But if, if when it comes to the law, if you do not keep it all, you've broken it at every point. So we realize we don't bat a thousand percent. Thus, here's what we try to do. We try to earn God's favor. In other words, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, then God's got to take me. So we try to earn his favor. Or if we're really failing, we try to find somebody else that's failing worse than we're failing to make us look better. And that's what we do if the law is just a code of conduct. But I want, I, I want to give you this thought. The law was given to reveal, not redeem. And there's four things that I think the law came to reveal to us. The Ten Commandments. How do you want to look at that? Law of Moses. First of all, it reveals that we are flawed and sinful. It reveals that we are flawed and sinful. Uh, all of us, we're all broken, we're all flawed, we're all sinful. In fact, Rabbi has a sin problem. Here's how I know. First of all, I live here, but number two, when I left my house early this morning, I locked the door. Why? Because I don't want somebody coming in and taking my stuff because we got a sin problem. We got a police department. Uh, and around us, they don't do uh, they do so much more than arrest, but they exist because of a sin problem. When I got here this morning, I parked over here in, uh, in this parking lot and I locked my car. Why did I do that? I don't trust you. <laughs> and I have to lock, I have to lock my car so that you don't take whatever I have in there. And then I have a lock on my office door. So it's not just out there, it's in here. I have to be careful for you. And so I lock my office uh, daily when I leave so that nobody breaks in and steals things. We have a sin problem in Round Rock. And it's all of us. It's not just limited to certain individuals. It's all of us. So it reveals that we're all flawed. Next, it reveals that self-will cannot make. Self-will. In other words, if I can just 
turn over a new leaf enough. If I can just cut it out, suck it up, I can make it. No, you can't. The law reveals that self-will cannot make it. Hard work, moral deism, these cannot make it. Number three, it reveals that religious rituals cannot earn it. I, I love that we have a church that we can gather at, we can do certain things, we can pray, we can sing, we can baptize, we can do the Lord's Supper. However, the law lets us know that religious rituals cannot earn it. And then number four, it reveals that our materialism, relationships, talents, lineage, anything you want to put in there, can't earn it. And so the law exists, the Ten Commandments exist with other, other laws that show not that you're redeemed, but to reveal that you're broken. So it's so much more than a code of conduct. And then the scripture says, by this are you justified. Now that's not a word we use very often. We use social justice in our day, but justified, what does that mean? Uh, many people have said, well, justified, just as if I had not sinned. But what it really means is that you have been declared righteous in Jesus Christ. In other words, you can have a right relationship with God the Father because of righteousness. You have been justified. And it's a once and for all act, not a process. The process of growing into Christ's likeness is called discipleship, like Scott said. Justified is when you come to the cross and you lay it all down and say, okay, here I am, Lord, save me. And so it's, it's a once and for all act and not a process. And, and I look at it like this. Nobody goes fishing and cleans the fish and then catches it. We catch the fish and then clean it. We sometimes are guilty of looking at a world that is not Christian and, and being disappointed with them when they don't act in a justified way. Well, their hearts have not been transformed. And we're as even guilty of taking young believers who are new to the faith and we get disappointed when they mess up and they fail when they've just been a place of a new believer in Jesus Christ. So we need to present the gospel and allow people to respond. And what we do is, is then we are able to see them grow in their faith. Jesus did what we could not do. The law says do, Christ says done. It's been done. And you embrace it. So what must I do? And Paul says it in the letter. He says believe. Now believe in our terminology means I believe it. And it's a head thing. That's not what Paul meant. He's talking about an action that goes with the belief. And the best way I know to describe it, I'm sitting on this stool. If I believe this stool can hold me up, 
it's one thing to say, uh, if I'm over there, I believe that school can hold me up. But it's not until I rest my weight on it that I'm truly responding to uh, the belief. And so for you to say, oh, I believe Jesus was real. I believe he went to the cross. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he died for the forgiveness of my sin. I believe that I'm broken and flawed. And if that remains in your head, I hate to tell you this, but you still remain in your lostness. You must respond by faith. Not only when you come to Christ, but how you live your life out afterwards. And we'll get to that a little bit more. Verse 17, let's pick it up and read through the end of the chapter. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. Verse 19, look at this. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I may live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. I want to I help you grab that. Yes, most of us believe that Jesus died for our sins. But if we believe any other way to be right for the Father, we're still in our lives. It's in Jesus alone. Paul says that. He says, then Christ died for no purpose. I want to lay out to you three things in this passage, especially Galatians 2.20, that uh, see the life of the believer. Number one is this, an executed life. An executed life. Uh, Jesus died for mankind, right? He, it was an execution. He did no wrong. Uh, in Christ's death, but we have also died. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I, I died when Christ died. That's hard for us to grasp, but however, there is daily executions that need to take place in our lives. I don't, I don't know about you. All I know is me, and I know myself pretty well. And this flesh is still way too strong. And I have to find myself coming before the Father and saying, Father, kill off this part of the flesh. I lay this before you. And I know many of you struggle with the same thing. But how are we to deal with it? We must die to the self-life. I know many of you like self-help books. You go to Barnes & Noble and it's the only place you can browse anymore. And you go to self-help books. And, and listen, there's some things you can learn in self-help books. 
But I'm telling you, when it comes to eternity, self-help books cannot help. It cannot happen. Uh, we must die to the self-life. And then secondly, we must die to the thinking that we can do it on our own or we deserve it. We live in a day where we feel incredibly entitled. I mean, we almost, we would never say it out loud, but, oh God, I know you're grateful to have me. Look at all my talents and abilities that I can bring to you. And, and he's, I'm sure the Lord is thinking, oh, I can get a rock to do that, man. I, I, I don't need that from you. I need your availability. You need to die to the thinking that you can do it on your own or you deserve it. There was an ancient uh, way of dealing with punishment with criminals, especially those that committed murder. What they did is they took the corpse of the murdered person and they handcuffed it to the person who had done the murder. And so here you are carrying that corpse around face to face. It's just a matter of time before the decomposition of that corpse leads to the sucking of the life out of the one who is alive. And I'm not talking about zombie stuff. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about is, is that when you carry the death around, it's going to suck the spiritual life out of you. And so if you're not willing to deal with the Father and say, God, those things that you died for, those things, that selfishness, that self-love that I have, that, that pride and arrogance, God, those sucking the spiritual life out of me, I need to commit those to you. So, the executed life. Number two is the exchange life. Hudson Taylor is a great China missionary who gave his life for the kingdom there in China. He was the one that coined the phrase the exchange life. We exchange, what literally we do is we exchange our filthy rags for his righteousness. Now, is that a fair exchange? Well, not on our part. We just give uh, God the way we are. And so we give our filthy rags, and he gives us his righteousness and his forgiveness and his purity and right standing with God. As we consider ourselves dead in Christ, we realize that God takes our sin and self and exchanges it for his love and grace. The problem is, Many believers have stinking thinking. We have problems in our head, and we cannot grasp this. I, I don't fully see this in my life. So how do we appropriate this exchange life in our lives? Well, number one is we need to realize that Christ has given us his life. It's no more I who live, but Christ lives in me. And this is a fact. He has given his peace, love, forgiveness, identity. And how many people are today are struggling with their identity? Hope, fullness, courage, boldness. In exchange for our sin, discouragement, hopelessness, lack of peace. I know many of you in this room 
just living out day to day, you can get hopeless. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe your kids have rebelled. Maybe your job stinks. I don't know. But we live in many hopeless situations. But I, I really believe that when we walk in the exchange life, this is not a prosperity thing. It's just a thing. We exchange who we were for who he is. And he has promised us that. And number one, realize Christ has given us life. Number two, accept it by faith, even when you don't feel it. We are feeling people, especially in the West. Man. We want to feel, and I understand, and, you know, we want to feel that this transition, we want to register in our spirits and walk in that freedom of feeling free. I understand that. But there is a deal. Let me put it this way. You are not saved by feeling. The fact is the gospel is that Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose from the dead, and all who call from the name of the shall be saved. That's the facts. We have faith in the facts. When feelings come, come on down the road. So, you need to accept by faith this exchange life. This is who I am. Whether I feel it right now, I'm a child of God, I'm forgiven, I'm free, I'm full of hope and peace because of what Christ has Executed life, exchange life. Thirdly, is the energized life. Energized life. He indwells us to enable and equip us for his kingdom use. We are not called. This goes back to the illustration I used earlier about somebody getting saved and go out there and do it. You can't do that. You cannot flesh out the spiritual life. Only God can do it through you. He wants to do it through you. I don't know if you struggle with the energized life. You may be very weary and worn out today. And the Holy Spirit wants to give you life, energized. So there's the ex executed life, the exchange life, the energized. So what? What does it mean for you and me? I want to ask you three questions. Just to allow you to seal this within yourself. Number one, are you the real deal? Are you the real deal? If someone looks at your life, is there enough fruit for them to see you? Uh, are you living the exchange life? Are you the real deal? Here's where I come with that. There was a time, uh, well, let me let me say this first of all. I, I've been a believer for over 50 years. And uh, I remember when I was a believer for 50 years, I, I had to ask myself, is this what a believer ought to look like after 50 years? I was disappointed. I thought there should be more life-giving in my 
my life and the world. But I started thinking about this real deal. I want to be the real deal. I don't want to be false. I, I, I don't want to be hypocritical. I want to be the real deal. And so uh, when our children, when they became adults, uh, made some decisions at times that we were not in favor of, and, and uh, they may have grown cold in their walk with the Lord. And so we would pray, Lord, put the real deal in their path. Put the real deal in their path. In other words, don't put some hypocrisy in their path. They can see right through that. Put the real deal. And this is how the Lord spoke back in my heart. Uh, he's, he, he said, you're asking for the real deal. You're asking me for the real deal front of your kids, are you willing to be the real deal for somebody that's praying for their son and daughter in Rabbi? Wow. Am I the real deal? Here's the second question. Do you need to lay down self-sins today? Is there some self-sins, pride, arrogance, uh, look at me, gotta have your name mentioned all the time. Uh, these self-sins, do you need to lay them down today? We're all broken, okay? So, is there some self-sins to lay down? And then, number three is this. Are you weary today? I mean, the energized life is just not there. Find yourself walking in failure instead of uh, faithfulness. Are you weary today? Uh, let me say this. The Holy Spirit wants to and may begin with you laying down some of those self-life sins. I end with this, and I'll be quick. Uh, when I come on Sundays, I park over here, I get here early, I was the first one here today, and I get out, I go to mall. Uh, I'm praying, I'm looking over things, uh, and when I come out of my office, I love our safety team. They, there is somebody there, and they're going to shadow me all day. It's marked for that. And, uh, and uh, they usually exchange, but Mark got stuck with me all day today. I don't know what happened. Uh, but, so somebody is with me the whole time. And uh, then, I'm going to go to my car, and they will shut my door, and that will be the end thing. And, and somebody's saying, man, Mark, you're arrogant. you got secret service and, and uh, this, this kind of stuff. They, they're not there to take a bullet for me, even though they would. Uh, I, I believe that. Uh, they're not there. I've not offended anybody bad enough for a bullet yet. <laughs> what did that say about it? But uh, they're there, and they're there the whole time. Uh, they're, they're just, they know I walk around the room, they just are there. Why are they there? It's because currently my body is broken. And they are there to keep me from falling. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the paraclete. He is the one that's called alongside. You see, we're all broken. And the Holy Spirit of God not only indwells us, but
but he is there with us to keep us from being broken people that spiritually are going to fall. Just like the safety team, make sure I'm not going to fall. The Holy Spirit is there to walk alongside you for that energized So if you're weary today, lean into him.